Timothy chapter 3. We're continuing the series we started last week in our behavior in the house of God. What does God want me to do when I come here? What is my responsibility? Last week we talked about making sure that you're there, that your attendance, just being there. Uh, you know, you can't do what you're supposed to do if you're not there. Um, you know, we live in a world today, and you know, I'm thankful for this. You know, I remember the first time I had a job where um, I remember I got paid when I wasn't there. I remember that was a great feeling. Going, you know, knowing that I was not at work and I was still getting paid. All the jobs I'd had before, they never did that. And it was a good feeling, uh, not being there. And, but you know, you can only get away with that for so long. And the truth is, uh, in that house of God, uh, and you know, unless you're there, I mean, it's just, it's not the same. It's hard to do the things that you're supposed to do. And, uh, but there's other things too. So when we're there, what does God want me to do? And we're going to read that text verse again. 1 Timothy 3.15 But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for being able to come back, Lord, and learn something from Your Word. And I pray that You'll help us Lord, through this message, I pray that it will challenge us and it will uh, inspire us to do the things that You want us to do, Lord, and we can have the kind of church that You want to have. I just pray that You'll bless it. Speak to our hearts. In Your name we pray. Amen. So here, we once again, we uh, read this verse about how He said, I'm writing you. I want you to know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. And then last week, uh, we went to Acts. And we're going to do that again this week. Acts chapter 2. The Bible said that they were all in one place. They were there together. They were meeting together and they're praying and God ends up doing a work. But you know what? They weren't just there. Okay? Because while attendance is very important and while being there is very important, it's going to take more than just that. The truth is, we could have this place packed out. But that doesn't mean that God's going to be here. Okay, there's places all over this country meeting right now where there's large groups of people together, but God is nowhere near that work. God's not doing anything. Uh, lives are not being changed. Folks aren't getting saved. Um, nothing's happening. People aren't being spiritually fed. In fact, sometimes they'll come and there's contention in the place. You know, they, they got they got the crowd. The attendance is there. The people are going to be there, but. There's something that they're missing that's very important if a church is going to do what God wants them to do. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Being in one accord. Being in one accord. In other words, they they were thinking the same thing. That word accord, it's kind of like a chord on the piano. There are certain notes that they're different notes, but they, when they play together, they make it sounds beautiful. It sounds good together. They uh, they they connect. In fact, they fill each other. And in churches today, God wants people. There's all kinds of different people here. We've all got different abilities. We've all got different personalities. And while we're all different, though, one thing that we need to make sure that we all are is in one accord. That we're all doing kind of the same thing, you know. You know, Daniel and Samuel, you guys are in a band. I mean, what do you think would happen if 
Daniel, you're wanting to play one song, and Samuel's wanting to play another song, and all these other sections are all everybody's playing their own song. Okay, it's not going to sound good. Now the truth is, and when you have a band, you know, you might have 30, 40, or even more people playing instruments. They're all playing different instruments. They're all playing different parts. But they all go together and it's it's beautiful. You, you uh, see that in a choir. You can have people singing different parts and different harmonies. And while they're all singing their own thing, it goes together perfect. I remember when I was a kid, Dad was preaching a message and I had been taking guitar lessons for a little while. And uh, he didn't tell the church he was going to do this, but he got he got a few of the people in on this. And he went and he told the song leader, he said, I want you to lead the congregation and I don't I won't get the songs exactly right, but he said, Victory in Jesus. And so and he said, and when the song starts, I want them to sing Victory in Jesus, but you're gonna sing Amazing Grace. And then he told my mom who played the piano, I want you to play this completely different song. And he told the organ player, I want you to play a completely different song. And he had me on the guitar and he said, I want you to play something totally different. And I remember we got up there and he went to lead the song and then we all started doing our own thing. And it sounded terrible. I mean, it just, it it was a mess. It was a mess. You know why? We were not in one accord. You know, the song that I was playing, you know, it, it was a good song. The song that the organist was playing, it was it was a good song too, and the piano player and the one in the congregation, but we weren't together, we weren't in one accord, and it was just very chaotic sounding. It just it, it didn't go together. And in churches today, we've got to make sure that we are in one accord. That what we do while even though we're all different, and even though we've all got our own abilities, that they're in one accord, that they go together. And that's how it was on that day of Pentecost, these people were in one accord. And one of the things that I believe that these people wanted to do, and it ought to be our desire to do this in every single service, every single time we come to church, and really every day of our life, it ought to be our desire to glorify God. That ought to be our desire. We ought to be in one accord in that area. And we ought to all have that in common that we need to glorify God. That's the most important thing. People will ask sometimes, you know, what do you think is the most important thing that you can do in a church? What should be the number one priority of a church? And sometimes people say, you know, win souls. You know, we talked about that this morning. How winning souls, there's nothing more valuable than a soul. But at the same time, I believe the most important thing that we can do and that the number one priority ought to always be to glorify God. That's the main thing. And of course, when we win souls, I believe that glorifies God. But if we're going to glorify God, we have to go according to His rules. We've got to follow what the Bible says. We can, we can do other things. You know, I believe God is glorified when souls are saved. But you know what? If we do something that goes against the Word of God just to get people to come to the altar and say a prayer, you know, we can talk about all the souls and everything that were saved, but the truth is, if we did not do what the Bible says, God's not glorified. All we've done now is cause confusion, and there's a good chance that many of those people aren't even saved. I've heard many people give testimonies about how they went to some of these big, you know, Christian get-togethers. Uh, I remember talking to a guy one time uh, when I was a teenager, a friend of mine, and uh, he got saved. And during the service, and after the service, I was talking with him. 
And he said he thought he was saved before that he had went to a church and they had the power team there. I don't know if any of y'all, anybody ever heard of the power team? They were these. They were a group of Christian guys that would get together, and they were these big, strong guys. And they get up there, and you know, their tank tops and tight pants, and they rip phone books in half and break bats, and you know, bend bars and do all these things, you know, and talking about you know the power of God. And uh, I, he, he said he thought he got saved at one of those. They had a big group of people all go to the front of the auditorium, and they kind of said a prayer for them, and. He knew it wasn't real. He knew he really didn't get saved. Or at least at the time he did, but as he learned, he realized, yeah, that wasn't salvation at all. He always knew something was missing. And God's not glorified in that. I mean, you know, I don't think we ought to do that kind of thing here. We don't need to have the rock music up here and have guys, you know, dressed in ways that shouldn't be dressed, you know, breaking things and you know, that's not what this is all about. We're here to glorify God. And yes, we could get a bigger crowd if we did some of those things. We could. But we're not going to do that. That is not how we glorify God. And there are certain things that we need to make sure that we are, we all have this in common. Okay? All of us, we're never all going to agree 100% on everything. Okay? It doesn't happen. We've talked about that. But one thing, uh, there's really four main things I want to talk about that we need to make sure that we're in one accord. And that's just one, when we're in this church. Whatever service is going on, whatever we do here, it is our priority and our desire to glorify God. I want to read a couple of verses to you. One in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, you don't have to turn there. If you, actually, if you would turn to Romans chapter 5, I'm going, to, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 10. I want to read one verse to you first. It says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That's whatever. Not just in church are we supposed to glorify God. In whatever we do, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, ask yourself: Am I glorifying God in this area? You know, when you're. I mean, is is God going to be glorified in this? We need to do that in church. Are we glorifying God with what we do? Are we glorifying God? In our music, are we glorifying God? In our preaching, are we glorifying God? And how and how we run this church and how we use the finances? Is this an obedience to God? Is this glorifying God? We need we need to have that in common. That ought to be our desire more than anything else. Romans chapter fifteen verse seven says, "Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ all received us to the glory of God." God received us. To His glory. We're here for His glory. In Revelations, it says that we were created for His pleasure. And the way we glorify God is simply through obedience. I mean, it ought to be... Listen, there's some things that you know we might be able to debate on a little bit and have disagreements on. But it ought, in everything we do, we ought to do our best to go to the Word of God and make sure that whatever we do, it lines up with this Scripture. We've got to have this thing in common. It's so very important that we have that we have the Word of God and that we follow it the best we can because we cannot glorify God without obedience. You can't do it. God is not glorified when we're disobedient to Him. And it's impossible to glorify Him with disobedience. So, whatever we do, we need to have that thing in common. We want to be obedient to God. 
Say, well, you know, man, you know, Pastor Tom, some of these things are they're hard, and uh, you know, I just I don't know if this is the best way, and boy, it doesn't seem like we're going to get the kind of results that we could get if we did some of these other things. But would we be being disobedient to God? We can't. That's one thing we we can't have that. We ought, we want to be obedient best we can because we want to glorify God. But then also another thing we need it being one accord about when it comes to coming to the house of God, we're here to worship God. We're here for Him. John chapter four and verse twenty three and twenty four. I want to read just two verses in John chapter four. Says, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, once again, remember last week we talked about the attendance and how important the attendance is. But remember, God, He's a spirit, and we worship Him in our spirit. And if our spirit is not right with Him, if we're not, if we don't have the right attitude, if we're not right with God, we're not going to be able to worship Him in the right way. We're not going to be able to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we've got to make sure that we do that. That the Lord is seeking for people to worship Him. And listen, I I I know and I understand that we can worship God anywhere and we should. You ought to worship God in your home. That you ought to have a private time with God where you pray to Him and where you study His Word. You ought to have that. But I believe God wants groups too. I think it's good to come together and worship Him and worship God together. And some of the ways that we do that is one, singing to the Lord. We worship Him. And our singing, Ephesians chapter five, nineteen talks about that. We're not going to take time to go through all these verses, but if you want to write them down and look them up later, we need, Bible talks about singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. I wonder, you know, if you know, singing is a way to worship God. All right, and worship. I mean, it, when you worship something, or when you worship someone. That shows that you have, it should show that you have a strong love for them and a lot of admiration. And if our singing is a way that we worship God, and I believe it is, I wonder what God thinks about some of our worship. You know, sometimes it's real easy to just kind of sing through the songs and go through the motions, but we're not really singing to the Lord. I think that's important. Listen, I, I I like singing out. I like listening to people sing. I like when people get up and they sing. But you know what? More importantly than just singing for us, we ought to be singing to the Lord. We need to be uh, we need to be singing in our hearts. Our hearts ought to be in the songs that we're singing. You know, I mean, I wonder what lost people think some think sometimes when we're singing maybe songs like Jesus saves. And we're singing it like, you know, we have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. You know, wow, wow, these people really mean that. Hey, they're supposed to be worshiping God. And listen, I don't care. I'm not saying you got to be able to sing on key. Listen, you, you can. I love watching people sing, and you can just tell they're singing from their heart, and they're singing because they love God. And I like to hear a good singer. I like to hear somebody that's on key and they can just nail them high notes or a good strong basic and hit them low notes. I like that kind of thing. But more importantly, I like hearing people that sing from their heart. You can just tell those people love God. 
I've heard some very impressive singers before that I mean, boy, they've got the perfect pitch and they can get that harmony going. And I mean, they just they do it all perfect, but it's just stuffy. It's empty. They're just going through the motions. You know, I could care less about that. And I don't even think God cares much for that. Our singing ought to be to the Lord. When my wife and I got married, we sang a song to each other. And you know, I wonder, you know, and it was like, you know, it was romantic and everything. You know, guys don't like to talk about that kind of stuff. But you know, I wonder what my wife would have thought if when I was singing that, we were singing a song, Yours Forever. You know, I'm not looking at her. I'm just, you know, yours forever. You know, just going through the motions. Probably would have killed the mood that day. And I wonder what kind of mood that we present in church sometime and what kind of atmosphere we bring with our worshiping when it comes to singing. We ought to be singing to the Lord. And guess what? There's going to be times where there's going to be songs that are picked that are not your favorite song. And maybe even be a song that you don't necessarily like that much. But it's the song and we ought to be singing, we ought to be in one accord in our singing. And we're not singing it because it's our favorite song or it's the one that we like the best. We're singing to the Lord. And we don't want, you know, shouldn't just, you know, have one group sitting there, oh, I don't like this song. I'm just going to pass on this one. That kind of thing is going to bring a bad atmosphere. We need to be in one accord. So, uh, in our worshiping, and we, one of the methods is through singing. Another one is through prayer. Okay, listen, uh, prayer is a wonderful thing. We all, I, I believe, private prayer is probably the best prayer. That prayer closet. That's important. But you know what? As a group, we all ought to be able to pray. Now, I've had people tell me about churches like this. And when they tell me about it, boy, they're just talking about how wonderful it is and how great it is. And I'm sorry, but uh, I just I can't agree with them on it. But they'll talk about, oh, our church, we've got people from all kinds of different religions and beliefs. And you know, in church, we shouldn't have one person praying to God and another person praying to Allah and another person praying to Buddha. And you know, I'm sorry, that's not going to go real well in church. Can you imagine? Listen, I, I love, I love the Muslim people, but you know what? People that are worshiping Allah probably aren't going to get along real well with us here. They're probably not going to respond real well to the preaching. It's probably going to get a little tense in here sometimes. If I you know use verses like you know John fourteen six, Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me." There's going to be some contention there. Uh, there, you know, some of the folks that believe that you got to go through Mary to get to heaven, it's probably not going to go real well when I'm when I'm there talking about you know reading verses like there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we whereby we must be saved. They're probably not going to like that very much. They're not going to like it in Christmas when I read that verse about Mary where she said, "I rejoice in God my Savior." You know, proving once again that she needed a Savior too. It's not it's not going to go over real well. When I'm, if uh, you know, we've got a, somebody of the Hindu faith. They they believe in all kinds of different gods. When I read verses like "There's only one God and one mediator between God and man," it's going to get ugly. There's going to be, and some of them religions, man, they're a little violent. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have some fights going on around here. And let me tell you, you know, it's that's just not going to work. And let me tell you, I, I will. I welcome anybody that wants to come and be a part of this church. But as far as the services go around here, we're worshiping God. We we're able to worship Him and approach the throne boldly through Jesus Christ. And I'm here today to tell you that 
That's it. That's all we're going to be worshiping. We're going to be in one accord in that area. And we've got to. It's very important. We're the only one we're going to pray. We're going to pray in Jesus' name around here. We're not going to pray to some unnamed God. We're not going to. We're not going to do that. We're not going to never name Him so we don't offend somebody of another belief. We're not. We're not going to be ashamed to talk about Jesus here. We're going to pray in His name. So methods of worship: singing, prayer, also service. Our service, the things that we do, doing our work for Christ, doing works in His name. Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, Then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. God, is, uh, Jehovah God, is the only God that we are to serve, and we ought, that ought to be the one that we're here serving. But we're here to serve God. When you get involved in this church and you do things, in this church, you need to be doing it because you're wanting to serve God, because you love God, because you want to be you, know, you want to be a blessing to other people. You know, you want to do things for individuals, and that's fine. But the real reason that we're supposed to be doing any of those things is because we love God. I'm telling you, if you just do it for people, it's going to be a problem because you know what? People aren't always going to appreciate what you do. People are going to always notice what you do. There's going to be things that you might do that you work hard and you put great effort into it and nobody notices. In fact, you might even have somebody who criticizes what you do. Maybe they find fault in what you do. Maybe you get up in church and you sing a special and your voice cracks and you just totally you know, butcher the song. And they got to tell you about it as if you didn't already know. And it's going to be discouraging. But when you're doing it because you're wanting to serve God, it's not going to stop you. You're going to keep doing it. You know, I don't like criticism. I don't like being made fun of like anybody. But I'm serving God. That's my priority. And that that's who we need, we need to be focusing on here. We worship God through serving. And then also we worship God through giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, do not ye know... Oh, that's not the right verse. I've done that two services in a row. My goodness. Maybe it's 2 Corinthians. Let me look at 2 Corinthians. No, that's not it either. Wow. I'm on a roll. <laughs> but uh, that was the, there was the verse I was looking for was one where he talks about, you know, on the first day of the week, you know, laying aside and giving. He talked about doing that on the first day of the week. When you give to God... That's a method of worship. The work that you do, I mean, you, you know, you, you work hard, and when you give a part of that to God, that's serving Him. That's worshiping Him. You're doing that for for Him, and it's a very important thing. And we ought to have that in common. We're all here to glorify God. We're here to worship God. But then also, and we talked about this a lot this morning, that filling the Great Commission. That ought to be what we're here to do. Now, I listen. I mean, when we come to church, we want to be fed. That's one of the reasons we're here. We want we want to get something from the Word of God. You know, you come, you know, hoping and praying that the Lord will give you something that will be a help to you, and that's that's fine and that's good. That's wonderful. We love the fellowship. We like getting around God's people. But one of the main reasons that we're all here together is we want to fulfill that great commission. Okay, now, 
As far as I know, everybody in here this evening is saved. Alright? You're on your way to heaven. So why does God want you to keep coming to church? Why not just say, okay, I'm going to heaven. I'm good. Well, there's a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons is because we need to try to help other people get saved. We need to try to help other people learn. There's, I mean, some of you in here, you mean you you know the Bible well enough. Uh, you know, I mean, you're you're spiritual enough that you could probably still have a, a pretty good life, even if you didn't go to church that much. I don't believe I'm like that, but you know, maybe you are. But the truth is, God wants you in His house because He needs all of us. To help evangelize this world, to bring other people to Christ, uh, we, you know, we've talked about it. It helps just having you here, so people aren't, you know, don't feel like I'm the only one. The pastor's just preaching to me. I mean, that would uh, that would be kind of an awkward thing if I've got a message on salvation and maybe the Lord gave me that message back on Monday. I put the message together on Monday, but only one person shows up and I'm preaching on salvation. And I mean, that person, boy, he's going to think, man, he's doing this just to me. He's doing, he's doing this right at me because I'm the only one here. And, uh, you know, but the truth is, whenever there's a bunch of people and if it does get, start feeling directed at them, they're going to realize maybe, hey, maybe this isn't the pastor. He doesn't know me. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to me. So it's very important. We need to, we need to be here to preach the gospel. The preaching of the word, the most important thing that goes on in church. We need to preach the gospel. Uh, we need to be baptizing people. Uh, that, uh, baptizing people, we don't believe it saves them, but it identifies them with Christ. It's a step of obedience. Uh, it, it identifies them with the church. And we need people that, that are want to come and be a part of God's house and that are going to get involved and that will also become, that will become the soul winners and become the teachers and become the workers for Christ. We've got to be teaching them, teaching them all things to observe. We need to teach those who get saved the whole counsel of God. As it talks about in Acts 20, verse 27, we need to teach them everything we can. We don't, we don't stop at just teaching them how to get to heaven. Even though I believe that's the most important thing. We need to teach them ways that can help them live a better life. And how, we need to teach them how to win other people to Christ and how to be the right kind of example. We need to teach them more about God. We ought all have a desire to learn about God and to know more about Him. We need to fulfill that great commission. Then also, another thing we all have and be in one accord about when we come to the house of God is in ministering to the brethren. We, you know what? When you come to the house of God, one of the things, your behavior, it ought to be, listen, it ought to be your desire, and we ought to always be looking and always be watching and trying to find ways to meet the different needs of other people. One, the spiritual needs. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 to 31. I'm going to turn over there. Acts 20 and verse 28. It says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. For this I know, or for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. 
Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. We need to be there for the spiritual needs. Do you hear what that passage said? He said, I know that when I leave that there's going to be grievous wolves enter among you. And Paul knew that there was going to, there was going to be people that were going to come along and that were going to try to steal the hearts of these people and that were going to try to lead them astray. And he, and he told me, he says, I warned you night and day with tears, he said. I mean, he's up there crying. He knew it was going to happen. And I'm here to tell you today, I've seen this in my own life and it's, it's, it's so difficult sometimes when you see people and they give their hearts to Christ and you know that the devil's going to go after them like crazy. You, you just know it. You know he's going to make them miserable. I mean, and, and then you start seeing all these problems come up in their life and all these difficulties. And it's sad because they're new Christians. They're not real spiritual yet. And you see them going through that pain and you see them suffering. And it's, and it's, it's tough to watch that. And you know what? We need to be there for them. We need to be the ones that are there for them. You know, we're, we're gonna have our, our thing, problems that we have, and we're gonna have our own needs. But you know what? The Bible says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. When we come to the house of God, we need, you know, we need to try to get to know each other. That's why we like having the fellowships and the get-togethers. It's good to get around God's people and to get to know them and to, and to learn about them. And if you find out that they're struggling spiritually, then we're there for them. Let them know that you're praying for them. I hope you pray for people. And, and I, but you know what? It's good sometimes to let them know. Well, no, hey, I'm praying for you. And hang in there. You know, go to them and uh, if you know, keep yeah, tell them keep me updated. Let me know what's going on. Hey, if you need help, well, let me know. Hey, don't hesitate to give me a call. I want to be there for you during these difficult times. People have spiritual needs. I mean, that it's tough these days. Let me tell you, there's some slick talkers out there. Some of these TV preachers and things, boy, they're slick. I mean, they're going up there and they are lying through their teeth, but it sounds so true. It sounds so true. And honestly, the only reason maybe you're not drawn away by that is you know the Bible. You know, you're, you're used to looking and following what the Bible says, but not everybody's like that. And they can be drawn away by that kind of thing. And it's, it's difficult. And we need to try to meet the spiritual needs of God's people. Especially newer Christians. But not just the spiritual needs, the physical needs. Romans chapter 15, verse 25. We talked about this a little bit this morning. Romans chapter 15, verse 25. says, "...but now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints." For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are, for if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. That carnal things is talking about the things of the flesh. There are some things our flesh needs. Now obviously, here at a church, you know, we're more focused on the spiritual. But you know what? There's, if somebody, you know, somebody comes through here and they're hungry, you know, we ought to, we ought to help feed them. If they've got a physical need, I mean, if we see somebody, if we see somebody hurting, we ought to be there for them. You know, you see a guy out there 
Maybe they have a car wreck and their car is burning and they're trying to get out. You know, you don't go by and knock on their window and say, hey, I'm going to be praying for you that you get out of this situation. <laughs> no. No. Sometimes we need to meet their carnal needs. They have a carnal need right now and it's to get out of that car. Right? Somebody's starving to death. You don't go and just say you're praying for them. You feed them. You do these things. Meet the physical needs. There's burdens that people are carrying that are heavy. And listen, I mean, we can't, obviously, we can't do everything. You know, I mean, if you're, you got a loan shark after you because you got a gambling debt, you know, $10,000, you know, this guy's not going to be able to help you. I'm probably just going to pray for you. But at the same time, if there's something that we can do, we ought to try to do it. We ought to be there for them. You know, and not, not just financial. Sometimes it's helping people out. Maybe some elderly person in the church. They need help cleaning their house or they need help with some yard work. I mean, who knows what it is? Maybe somebody needs a ride to church. Whatever it is, we need to be, we need to be there for them. We need to help meet those physical needs. And here we see a story where Paul mentions those who they had made contributions for the poor saints at Jerusalem. And listen, there's folks out there that have needs that are struggling and we ought to do what we can for them. Meaning the spiritual needs, the physical needs. And then, and this could be in some ways similar to, uh, similar to the spiritual needs, but I think it, I think it does fit in a category by itself, but meeting the emotional needs. Hebrews chapter 10.25 says, "...not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching." Just encouragement. You know, sometimes there's things that, I mean, you know, spiritually, maybe, you know, you're fine. I mean, you understand, you understand the Bible's true. You know you're doing the right thing. You know you know you're saved. You know you're on your way to heaven. But you know what? Sometimes we just get weary. Sometimes we just get tired, and we can get a little down and depressed. And we need to exhort each other or encourage. And that's why it said here: talk about not forsaking the assembling. A church. It's a called out assembly. It's a it's a group of people that they they get together and they serve God and they encourage one another. And he said not to forsake that. We don't want to take it lightly. We want to take it serious because people need encouragement. We don't know what's going on in people's lives. Maybe you've got maybe things are going great in your life. You know, maybe you just got a big raise at your job and everything's going good financially. Your marriage is together. You know, your kids are behaving. Everything's going well for you. But you know what? There might be somebody else who's coming in and maybe they're at their wit's end. Maybe they're, they've just about had it and they're just about done and they, they know what's right. They've been, but you know, they're just tired. And we, sometimes we need a little push. And you know what? Even as a pastor, I'm the same way. Sometimes I just need encouragement. And I just, I, and that's one of the reasons I like going to the house of God. I like going, I go visit other churches sometimes and I'll go to meetings if they're having meetings during the week. I like getting around it because I'm encouraged by it. And I'm not ashamed to say that I need it sometimes. And we need to make sure that, that we're like that. There's a man in the Bible named Barnabas, the son of consolation. Barnabas, what the thing that he was known for is he was an exhorter. He just encouraged people. That's what he did. 
He was always there for people. The, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, uh, when he had just gotten saved, the disciples, they were kind of scared of him at first and they didn't want to receive him. And it was Barnabas that got the disciples to accept Paul. You may remember there's another story in the Bible where, where uh, I believe it was Mark who Paul said that uh, he didn't want him with him anymore. He was upset with him for something. And Barnabas... He got mad at Paul, and there was contention between the two of them. And Paul and Barnabas ended up separating. And Barnabas he stayed with his nephew Mark. But then later we see that Paul, he was in one of his later letters, he was writing, and he told them to send Mark. He said, "For he is profitable to me." You know, I wonder if Barnabas was the one that kept Mark going. That Mark, Barnabas, boy, just encouraged him. And you know what? There's going to be times where there are other people, maybe they're giving up on you. We need to be that one that's just there for them, that encourages them and helps them to move on. And that's one. And right there, those ought to be things that we're in one accord about. We're not here to put people down. We're not here to run them into the ground. Let me tell you, they get plenty of that in the world today. They get they get enough of that with people that they work with. They hear enough negative stuff. In church, it ought to be different. We have that one thing in common. Anybody that we see walk through those doors, it ought to be our desire, your your personal desire, to somehow be an encouragement to them. And said, you you can pray about what that way is. We've all got we've all got different things. Sometimes just being there, just letting somebody know you care about them, praying for them, do something for them. You know, if they have, you know. Just let them know you're thinking about them. You know, sometimes just remembering somebody's birthday is a big way to be an encouragement to them. Just paying paying some attention to them. It can go a long way, and that is part of our behavior in the house of God that we're that we're in one accord. At least in the, in these areas, we need to have these things in common. It says in in uh, Acts chapter two, they were all in one accord in one place. And it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit began to work that day. God showed up at that service. These people were in one. Accord. And the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in My name, there am I in the midst. If we can have these things in common and we come to the house of God with the right focus and with these things in common, then you know what? God's going to show up. And that's when we've had a successful service. When God shows up. Listen, I like having people here as much as anybody. But you know what? We need God here more important than anything else. And you know what? We can drive him out of here real easy. We can. Revelation chapter three twenty. Jesus speaking, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. He was talking to the church there. He was talking to the church. I believe that I believe God wants to be at every service. I believe He's there and He's knocking on the door. Maybe not physically stand up, but He's knocking on the door. He's watching what's going on here and He's waiting for, waiting for us to invite Him in. He's waiting for it. But you know what? If we all come here and we're just wanting to do our own thing, 
we're not interested in glorifying Him, He's going to be out the door. If maybe, you know, some of us are wanting to glorify Him, some aren't. You know, we're not in one accord. We're all fighting about stuff. We're all thinking different. We're going to drive Him out of here. We can quench the Holy Spirit of God. Verse in the Bible says, "Quench not the Spirit." We don't want to do that. We need to be in one accord. That is key in our behavior in the house of God's.